Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever dance with the devil in the pale light? I always ask out of all my prayer. I just like the sound. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from a rolling party here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phil Iscove. And with us today, rolling through, <laughs> is our Barrett Doss and Danielle hey. Savory. She's our savory. My bad. Okay. I was working on it all morning <laughs> and then I lost it. Uh, but I'm I'm too drunk and high to even uh, to even begin uh, to get anything right because I have been rolling through this Bernie party since I watched it last night with my son at seven o'clock. Who said even though it's old, it's still a lot of fun, and I would agree. By the way, I can't dispute that. That's actually a great review by Rollins. Yes, even yep. though it's old, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I agree with that review. I don't think I've seen Weekend Is that how he feels about you, Kenny? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good, Phil. Um, that was really good, Phil. <laughs> here's the weird thing about Weekend at Bernie's. I definitely Which saw Which weird it thing, once. Kenny? There's a lot well, of weird things. <laughs> it's, a personal, it's a personal weird thing. We can okay. get into all the contextual weird things soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I definitely saw it once when I was a younger oh, okay. person. But okay. I had seen Weekend at Bernie's 2... A dozen times. A and dozen times? Easily. Because we get a Bernie's too, for whatever reason, was the one that was always on. That's and the I, Joe versus the volcano of this series. What do you mean? 
the whole like island magic kind of component. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got it's, it's well, it's got almost like a Gremlins two vibe, and that yeah. like it's just out the window at yeah, that like, point. They're just like fuck yeah. it. Like he can yeah. now he can now walk and dance and dance sure. and play the drums <laughs> and play the bongo drums. <laughs> that is. Barrett, that's no. your new, uh, re- um, re- whatever I'm trying to say. Like, you have to go now watch A Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yeah, now you, I mean, apparently, it's I actually, do. I actually would argue that Weekend at Bernie's might, 2 might be more fun than 1. Because it just really doesn't give a fuck. This movie is yeah. actually trying to adhere to it's, some sense of grounded. It's hard to Which go. Is not it's very even- grounded. It's very grounded. Very grounded. Compared, <laughs> compared to Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> <laughs> It's very hard to go from two <laughs> to one because you see all yeah. the possibilities all, two, and you start to think like they, they really tried too hard to yeah. adhere to what it would be like if you had to move around a dead body for a weekend. This is true. It's, but I, I think the movie's fantastic. What do you think, Barrett? You seem to really be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Uh, it was, but it's like, it, it's just like a catastrophe movie, which is, you know, kind of fun and I get it. And it's just it is like, a catastrophe. It, it's, it's crazy. I don't know how I feel about it. I think, I think the goal of this podcast for you guys is going to be to sell me on watching Weekend at Bernie's too. Too. <laughs> can I, can I, I'll just say this. I, you couldn't pay me at this point to watch it. Can I, so I texted Kenny and I was like, I don't think I liked this movie. You but, texted me, don't know which is worse, this or the Burbs. The Burbs and is worse than this. For those of you who haven't listened to our Burbs episode, we think yeah. the Burbs sucks balls. <laughs> so, <laughs> worse than the Burbs? No, I actually, I, think I, actually, this is I don't. So I much said I, was, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Here's what happened, okay, which is that I texted Kenny before the end of the movie. And then, kind of, by the end of the movie, it sort of got me Oh, got you a little bit. That's cute. Because it's, at a certain point, you have to really resign yourself to this movie. And if you don't, (laughs) I think that then you might get annoyed with it. And I think I fought it for probably a little too long. And then at a certain point, it was just like, okay, I, I, I just have to get on his wavelength. Can I, can I please, make, please, yeah. sorry, I got cut off when I was going to say something yeah. positive, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's that I was watching this and from an actor's perspective, it looked like so much fun. Oh, like, for sure. I bet they had a blast. I mean, I don't know how Andrew McCarthy managed to maintain that level of just absolute mania the entire time. Loved it. Thought he was brilliant. I mean, yeah. Like, just on 20 the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Tripping, falling, wrapping people up in cords. like Playing Monopoly against a dead man. Just having the best possible time. You know? Before we go further... Yes. I do want to give Danielle yeah. her opportunity oh. to tell us why yeah. she very clearly hard. loves this movie. So, yeah. Danielle, what is it about Bernie that really gets you going? <laughs> when you put it like that, it sounds so creepy. <laughs> that movie about a dead man gets me going. Yeah, it's also a dead man who has sex with a woman, too, for the record. Yeah, I mean, that too. Well, a mortis. necrophilia. Yeah. yeah, straight yeah. up necrophilia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, please I, say 
I I just I love the movie. I grew up with it. I watched it all the time. I watched Weekend at Bernie's one and Weekend at Bernie's two. Naturally, um, I think out of all the podcasts we've done together at this point, you guys know that I have a love for like some really cheesy, crappy movies. <laughs> um, Don't couch it. Own it. I I do. I love the movie, and rewatching it, I actually loved it more. Like I was like, and I think I really love it because like you're rooting. I get that it's absolutely messed up that they're like taking over this guy's house and yeah. dragging him around and he's a dead body and the whole thing. But like he wanted to kill him. I love he what he did. He did want to kill them. Tried to kill him. Yes. It's just totally justified. justified. He wanted to kill them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's about two guys that just want to like do well at work and, and end up like getting to have a really fun, crazy, chaotic weekend. And it makes me laugh out loud and it's not hitting me over the head with any big, you know, this is No, it doesn't you- have much to say. Well, no, I agree. I disagree with you. It's funny and I like it. I disagree oh. with you, Phil. Okay. It doesn't have a lot to say on the surface, and there's not a lot to say about the, you know, the morals and ethics of reanimating a dead body for, you know, the purposes <laughs> of getting laid. But it does have a surprising amount uh, of of satire about yes. Yes. this upper this upper crust culture. Yes. Like yes. the party scenes with these creepy old men hitting on these young women were really kind of sharp and really funny to me. And the whole scene that they yes. were, you know, yes. that they were lampooning, even though it was kind of, you know, background noise mm-hmm. uh, was really sharp. And I think it kind of was a perfect setting for this kind of movie. You could do a movie about, about uh, two guys who, who you know, like Danielle said, two guys who just want to do well at work, stumble upon something, their boss dies, and they have to like make him seem alive anywhere. There's nothing about that that has to be in the Hamptons. But they picked the perfect ludic- place where, where ludicrousness happens, and the only place where people are so drunk and self uh self absorbed and yep. and unaware of what's going on and yep. willing to like willing to like just assume that everything's okay so they can keep using his house the whole fucking island used his house right so or i don't know if it's an island it was the yeah. hamptons i can't remember I the whole hamptons yeah. hamptons like island yeah. I think hamptons <laughs> island yes of course everyone knows hamptons <laughs> island so that's where i summer um <laughs> so i think that like i think that whether it's it doesn't seem like it's like some like brilliant light bulb moment for the writer and director. It does more seem like this would be a fun place to shoot a movie in a silly place, but it works perfectly. Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman's characters want so badly to be successful and to have all this money. But then when you see Bernie has it, he's being killed by the people yep. that, you know, he worked with and everyone uses him for his things and actually doesn't give two shits that he died. So but I, I would say too, he that may you know, as well be dead. How about that? We, he's better, it seems like, dead than alive, personally. Yep, it, certainly be- it seems like he's better at sexing. <laughs> There's that, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is something, and Kenny, we've talked about this a little bit through this, 80, this 89 series, but, like, we are in the midst of Reagan's America. There is a lot of sort of class warfare, the haves and have-nots to a certain degree. And we're that, coming, like, well, we're Reagan coming out was of gone, yeah, right? Yeah, so 89, yeah. Reagan is gone, and yeah. we're living with, like, the, after the consequences of, yeah. of the yeah. Reagan administration, which yeah. is this... This is perfect. These these yeah. dumb fucks with extreme wealth. Yeah. Can I just say this? I was watching this and as I was in the middle of it, I'm like, this is like 
the whitest movie I've ever seen in my oh, entire yeah. life. Oh, like, it's, I mean, just in the sense that it's just yeah. so aggressively about like white male mediocrity. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, I mean, that's not what it's about. We can still sort of say like, yeah. it's just like a crazy, I mean, because they make other movies like that later. I was saying to Phil before we started, like, this is like Friday, but in 1989 for With white a lot of people, white people, you know? <laughs> Yes. And you want to know what it, it, it's a, it's actually like, again, unintentional, I'm sure, but a really interesting, a really interesting meta critique of white privilege that these sure. dumb fucks again, because John, you know, Jonathan Silverstein and Silverman. Andrew McCarthy are yeah. Silverman and, and, and Andrew McCarthy are dumb fucks yeah. can just walk right into this world. And because they're like, you know, clean looking white dudes, everyone's just like, yep, why not? Of <laughs> course you're allowed like, in this party. Of no, course we're happy to have you here. No consequences. consequences. Everyone's no. just like, yeah. But it's also totally like making fun of the fact that this guy's dead and no one seems to care and they're talking to him like he's alive and they don't listen to him anyway. Like it's just, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, silly and bizarre and there are so many movies like this that I like totally enjoy and sure. I don't you know it's not like oh I don't want to watch this because it's just blah 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 but like it's just so silly there's some beauty I think in what you're talking about which is essentially totally. the idea that like any white male body could fulfill the role that Bernie's fulfilling for everyone else there yeah. literally a body you yep. just need someone to go to to sit there in the middle of the of the house and pretend as if it's his kingdom, and people will be like, "Yeah, okay, sure." Andrew that, McCarthy, literally, and, or a dead guy. I mean, it's it's. I it's, mean, or it's a dead, the dead guy is what I'm saying. Well, right, no, of course, of course. Like literally, I, that's what I'm saying. Body, literally, a dead guy is perfectly performing <laughs> the function of Hampton's host. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's funny that. Or interesting, maybe more appropriately, that this film is reduced to essentially a punchline, right? When people, this movie has, has its legacy is it's the dead guy movie, right? It's the movie about the dead guy. And it's interesting that there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more satire going on in this film than I think people give credit to. Phil, I'd also say, because I hear you, but I'm so happy that Daniel chose to do this movie. Because this movie is, this movie, re- regardless of whether it's good, bad, or right. unintentionally good, or unintentionally bad, or who the fuck knows, it has a cultural footprint, like a pretty big cultural footprint. Mm-hmm. Whether it's some people think like it's the dead guy movie, yeah. or you know, my one of my favorite lines in the history of Friends is uh, in the you know the episode, my favorite episode with the. With the the game show, mm-hmm. question was what's Rachel's favorite? Where they movie? lose, yeah, where they lose the, the yes. Apartment. What's Rachel's yeah. favorite movie? Dangerous Liaisons. What's her actual favorite movie? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I think there's a lot of that, where like people's actual favorite movie is Weekend at Bernie's, <laughs> and it and the and and it does persist in a way that like almost doesn't make sense because the two stars, you know, fizzled out. The director is not a really guy, really big guy. The writer is not a really big guy. The only thing they have is it's a dead guy movie, but there are other movies like this. Like the other movie that, that Andrew McCarthy is in that I love because it's my it's my da- movie like for Danielle is, is Mannequin. 
I was just, I was literally just going to say, Mannequin is one. It's, it's. He was saying it's his, it's his weekend of Bernie's. I, I love Mannequin. It's the I, best. Mannequin These and stupid ass fucking premises. It's, it's so stupid, best. and I fucking love it. And yeah. and and we're going to talk. It's romantic about, too. It is romantic. We're talking about James Spader and Sex Lies and Videotape as well, and he's in Mannequin. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like <laughs> I that was great, Barry. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Are you just I a really James big James Spader, Spader fan? But he, yeah, yes, yes. But the thing about Mannequin that's similar to this is they're both that high concept '80s comedy that somehow works, and I don't, I don't quite know why, but. It does like this film. Because they're so stupid, that's, I mean, and it's that's so it. much fun. You feel like it's just like you can relate to one of the characters, and in the end, they get what they want. Like in the end, <laughs> Andrew McCarthy got to stay at the rich guy's house, and at the end, yeah. Jonathan Silverman got the girl. And you're like, yes, stupid <laughs> like, premises yeah. rule. They do. <laughs> they rule. Yeah. And I, I, you know what? Like, I think this might be like close to Barrett's heart, but like, the premise of Groundhog Day is pretty fucking stupid, ridiculous. But the movie's like one of the best movies ever made, yeah. Because yeah. it just like you, you get over the premise so fast, and it's true for it's true for so many movies that we love. Deep Blue Sea is a fucking stupid premise, <laughs> right? And you get over it really fast because really it's fast. like In you buy the premise. <laughs> In the, hey, sequel, in the sequels, a much as well. better I mean, film, a much better film <laughs> with a far superior lead actor, far superior uh, casting, it, obviously. Uh, but um, but it's a stupid ass premise too. <laughs> and I'm and the other thing I was I was bemoaning because I do so much bemoaning on this podcast, the '89 podcast. We do, we do. Is I'm bemoaning the death of the stupid premise because yeah. everybody outside of people who write children's shows and, ch- and children's movies and teen shows and teens movies are too fucking self-important to do stupid and if you're going to do quote-unquote stupid you have to you i think people feel this need to be like baskets you know like super high-minded about the stupidity right right and can't you just like have a good time i mean this movie has a good time like this movie is infectiously silly and i really think that i mean part of it is in the casting i think the two leads are great oh are yes, you a fi- no. Well, I heard that John Cryer was originally supposed to be Andrew McCarthy, and I'm so happy it was Andrew McCarthy and not John Cryer. As yeah. much as I love John Cryer, I just could not imagine anyone else playing this part from those rooftop scenes where he's, like, stepping in the tar. To, I was just like, going to say, that rooftop pool party, pool party, in quotation marks, is fantastic. Is it 10 out of 10 how do you feel movie? being from New York? That, like, was that just... I mean, yeah, I, I fully identified with that. I've been, I've been on <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, I have too. Top. Like I felt very, it was, it made me, it, that, that got me. Like I, I think I started in a place where I was like, I'm in with this movie because I've never seen it, but I've heard, I mean, obviously it's in the cultural zeitgeist for literally my entire life. And so like, as I, I guess I lost some momentum as the movie went on, but when it started, I was like, I love this. I love this. It felt it's, very New York. And then it got sort of like, you know, and sort of that rat race, ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, real quick to go back one mm-hmm. step to like the other movies that when I was, you know, I, I rented this or bought this or whatever on Amazon Prime last night and I started watching it. And when it gave me the movies like, oh, I might recommend. Yep. I saw so many. Like, what about Bob is one of the movies it's I grew great, up with. Great, that I great. Loved. Yeah. Like, 
I, I watched it all the time as like a kid with my family. And like that is the absurd, mm-hmm. you know, early 90s, late 80s movie that I grew up with and loved. And like, did I have any personal connection to it other than needing therapy? No. But, like, <laughs> like, I, but you know, it's sort of like a New York goes on vacation and like hilarity ensues kind of movie that I really connected with. And like, so it's, I totally understand the like nostalgia and adoration of these like totally ridiculous premises. Yeah. I, I was surprised quite honestly, that there was as much plot in this movie as there was to a certain degree. Like I was surprised. I, again, I, I, all I knew of this movie was it's the movie with the dead guy. And uh, I probably had seen clips here and there over the years, but I'd never sat down to watch the film. I was surprised it takes almost 40 minutes for Bernie to die. Like, <laughs> yeah, me too. I expected it to happen way sooner. Yeah, I was like, oh, Bernie's got to die early, right? Because, And instead, there's this whole sort of organized crime component to this <laughs> film, uh, which I was surprised at. Uh, also, insurance fraud, which I was also surprised. There was a... a- moving parts to the plot of this film when I really just thought it was a guy that they use as a puppet dead guy for 90 minutes. If you if you break down the plot yeah. up to the 40-minute mark when he yeah. dies, yeah. it's a thriller. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, and it's a pretty good thriller, too. You know? like, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, that's a pretty... That's a scene you don't see a lot in movies, which, like, you have to have for this movie. But where he said... I loved it because it was so unexpected. Where he sits with the three gangsters, he's you know sleeping with one of the gangsters' girlfriends. He says, "This is what I think we should do. I think we should kill these two shitheads. Uh, look at it, you know, and make it a murder suicide." They're like, "Great, Bertie, whatever you want, Bertie." He leaves. They go, "Let's kill that guy." <laughs> Great, cool, love it. Because you know, like I, I couldn't remember what happened. Like I figured, like they 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 screwed up. They killed Bernie or Bertie. Bertie right. had a heart attack. Like I had no fucking recollection of how this dude died. So I think that stuff is fun. I think it was a you know pretty natural way to get the kids the the guys out to Hampton Island, very famous Hampton, Hampton Island. Island. I, love I Island. think. <laughs> I, the only thing, like, I do think it was a little sweaty in terms of why they had to keep Bernie around. Yes, correct. Like, it did seem like there there probably should have been something baked in from the beginning, but, yeah, you know, you accept it. You get over it. I, I'll say this. I go. It, this was a bit of an emotional roller coaster movie for me in the sense that I really, like, I was in and I was out. I was. There were times where I was just like, this movie is actually, you have to not think about the fact that a man is rotting and dying. Like, if you, you can't think about the actual. Rotting. Because he he is he is festering. He's dying. Like this is this is actually a There's pretty disgusting thing. Pants. There's the definitely whole... poop in his pants. Right? That's for <laughs> sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> like he's sitting at his party, like with the hot chicks, the lady oh. riding him. Like it's all. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'll say There's that one of the. <laughs> Can I just say that I think one of the strokes of genius that oh, dad, the actor it. Terry Kaiser, I believe is how or Kisser? So Ted, Ted Kaiser. Ted Kaiser. Yes. The stroke of genius is the smirk on his face. <laughs> it's so true. It's so brilliant. Because did obviously you up so he, on that? I did like I guess he came to that conclusion because like he overdoses on heroin, so we figured he'd be very happy when he died. Yes. Which I guess is an interpretation of a heroin overdose, but I I think that the the smirk on his face makes you love him because he seems lovable. 
he his performance that's his performance basically it's just him smiling well as a dead guy he plays such a great dead guy i feel so <laughs> bad that like we don't talk about it enough like i was rewatching it and like he never once like stiffens up like he yeah, plays I know uh, me too i was looking at his legs the whole time <laughs> so impressive so it is like a method actor that yeah. like was like said no to this role originally and like decided on the smirk because he's like, if I don't do the smirk, then I'm just a dead guy. <laughs> I'm like, you are still just a dead it's guy. Perfect. Yeah. But he's also so good in the first 40 minutes before. Yes, he he is. Yes. Like, yeah. I was sitting there going, that guy's high as fuck. <laughs> like the whole time, you know, yeah. when he's like in and yeah. out of the bathroom talking to them and he's, you know, yeah, got yeah, the yeah. whole thing going on. Yeah. Like he totally, I was like, this guy's great. I'm sad that he's going to be dead for the last half of the movie because yeah. I'm really enjoying his performance. And then I liked it even more. So for me, Ted Kaiser's... Uh, well, I, I, I agree. And I would also say this is an odd comparison, but I'm going to make it, which is that I agree that he's so good in the first 40 minutes or so, a half an hour of the movie um that you like him enough that it continues and it's sort of like jude law and the talented mr ripley which is that he dies halfway through that film and his presence is still felt through the second half of it obviously bernie is physically there which makes it different but still like you are projecting that personality onto this dead guy so that he doesn't he feels in a weird way animated i guess it's a very strange movie (laughs) Can I say real quick, I here's something I did love. Mm. I was into obviously Hampton Island, but <laughs> just the whole like the look of the movie was so nostalgic. I oh, loved yeah. the art direction. I loved the style. I Me just too. like I was looking at it going, I want this to be my whole aesthetic for this summer. Like, <laughs> how did you feel yeah. about that wallpaper on on uh, John Jonathan Silverman? <laughs> I knew as I watched that scene, I was like Barrett's gonna love that wallpaper. It is in his parents' apartment. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, sixties yes. vibe. Look, yeah. The look of the movie, I yeah. personally really enjoyed. Like all of the weird yes. high cut bathing suits mm-hmm. and like just you know, I mean, it's just it. It's reminded me how like sexy that era was in I, this really hottest kind of hottest way. But you're still like, mm-hmm. God damn, I want like huge hair and like a tiny, tiny swimsuit and just I like, also think that like the boat for <laughs> I also think that as I was watching the beach portion of it, like once they get to Hampton's Island, I felt like there was a part of me that was like, wait, have I always thought that a beach party is Bernie's party? Like it feels like that that weird sort of like prototype you have in your head of a party in the eighties is Bernie's yeah. party. Yeah, it's incredible. I, it's it's really something special. Let me give a quick synopsis for the people that haven't seen Weekend at Bernie's. Fun-loving salesman Richard, played by Jonathan Jonathan Silverman, and Larry, played by Andrew McCarthy, are invited by their boss Bernie played by Terry Kaiser, to stay the weekend at his posh beach house. Little do they know that Bernie is the perpetrator of a fraud they've uncovered and is arranging to have them killed. When the plan backfires and Bernie is killed instead, the buddies decide not to let a little death spoil their vacation. They pretend Bernie is still alive, leading to hijinks and corpse desecration galore. Uh, it's written by Robert Klein, directed by Ted Kotcheff. Uh, Weekend at Bernie's opened on July 5th, 1989, in eighth place behind Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It would go on to make $30 million on a $15 million budget and spawn a sequel that we refer to. It's also a cult classic. Uh, Weekend at Bernie's has 54% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 57% from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film one star. 
said, Weekend at Bernie's makes no makes two mistakes. It gives us a joke that isn't very funny and expects that joke to carry an entire movie. <laughs> that's, that's basically his review. I, I mean, I think he was a little too intellectual about it. But um, I think it is funny. I think it is funny, too. I laughed I all the time. I laughed so much. Do you, you guys loved it so much? <laughs> no, I laughed so much. I, I was, I was act, I was laughing, which is hard these days. It's true, it's true. I don't Jonathan have those Silverman has a real David Schwimmer vibe. Am I crazy in that? It should have been assessment? David Schwimmer. Yes, he, he does. He's, he's got that kind of vibe to him. Um, Jonathan Silverman was a thing, right? Am I crazy? He had a show on NBC, right? Was that the single guy? Was that he was him? a thing? He was also a thing in a show called Station Nineteen. We love Jonathan Silverman. I had no idea. That's amazing. Oh, I love Jonathan yeah. Silverman. He's a great actor um, <laughs> Wait, and a great you, guy. He's what? He <laughs> what's he on Station Nineteen? He guested on Station Nineteen as Danielle. You want to fill in the blank here, please. He guest started on Station Nineteen as Inara, who is now. Uh, Jack Gibson's girlfriend on the show, he guest starred as her abusive husband. Oh, wow. And he yeah. saved, Jack saved her. And her, her son from her abusive husband, played by Jonathan Silverman, if you can believe it, that sweet cheeked. I'm going to have to go watch that because yeah. I don't believe that. It's <laughs> so, so Jonathan Silverman was very good in this movie. Uh, he was a thing he in the 90s. He is. But he wasn't really a thing. This was one of his first films though too. This was like early he, on. He never quite popped off I think pe- the way people thought he would pop yeah. off. And the single guy also was not really a success. Right? The single guy was uh, sandwiched one between of, like what Seinfeld one of those and Friends or something like that? Seinfeld yeah, yeah. sandwich things. It was a time this slot a hero, show? and then this yeah, was, it was a show. Him. It was him when it was a good oh. cast. It was uh, I'm looking it up to see how long you're. Yeah, it was like it was Friends. It was it was Friends, but but around one single guy who has you know I think four friends who are in couples. Ran and, for two seasons, forty three. Yeah, what's episodes. the dude's name? Joey, uh, the other Sh- guy. That, uh, Joey Slotnick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Slotnick, he's a good yeah. actor. Ernest Borgnine plays his doorman. Good actor. Ernest Borgnine's a decent <laughs> actor. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love that. Like, I, I mean, I always love like that movie. That show is twenty five years old now, or older. Older. Yeah. I always love when there's a guy like Ernest Borgnine who I think just died. Um, Are we going to start a rumor that someone died that didn't die? I think he, he died? died. He died in twenty twelve. This at, is uh, at ninety five years old with six wives. The guy had six wives. Wow. So he just died. He just died 10 years ago. Uh, I love it when there's a guy who was playing like playing an old guy 25 yeah. years ago who then yeah. like went on to live for another 20 years. Correct. Correct. You know, I Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy are interesting 80s things because like obviously Andrew McCarthy has it's pretty in pink, right? Pretty that's pink. that's that's his big one. But he yeah. played the thing about that that I kept yeah. like like having like short circuiting about mm-hmm. during this movie oh. was was that Andrew McCarthy in in the Brat Pack, in and among the Brat Pack, was one of the yeah. hot guys. He was. He was one of the prizes, right? Mm-hmm. Him and like Rob Lowe and like well, Emilio Estevez to some extent. But they were prizes to be won within the context of the group. Whereas Anthony Michael Hall mm-hmm. uh, was like the nerd and Judd Nelson was generally like the, the rebel. But, you know, and John Cryer was a nerd. Like, but... Andrew McCarthy in that movie in uh, in Pretty in Pink yeah. has no range. He's basically a charming bimbo. And Correct. he's so, I mean, he's wonderful in Mannequin, which is beautiful romantic comedy. 
And he's so manic and funny. I, as I said to you, I kept trying to place you. We reminded me of, yep, yep. and I think it was a young Tom Hanks. He's, I, I mean, it's worth I think saying Tudor, Turner and Hooch, big, the yeah. verbs, this like that, yeah. like, you know, elastic, like in, in the fat, in the fat, the quality. quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, uh, I, there's a, he does some shit in the beginning with the chairs that I love to do a play by play of him walking out of the office. And mm-hmm. he's, he's <laughs> funny and cute and, and cool. And yeah. like, weirdly, like, you know, I mean, it's kind of weird. I, I like, I think the love story between Jonathan Silverman and Gwen, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. It's, it's not great. I agree. It's not, it's not great. It, it's, it's not great. But it's, it's also like, okay, it's, it's also like, I, I, I go in my not, brain and great in my brain. And that's what happens. Great. I'm not yeah. convinced that he's the right one to win the girl in the end of the movie. He's not. And, Fran- no. and Branch McCarthy to kind of just like not even consider romantic conquests in the yeah. film. But uh, but yeah, well, can, I it was so fantastic. I, walking through Andrew McCarthy's career very very briefly, he obviously Saint Elmo's Fire, Pretty and Pink, Mannequin. That's eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, right? Like, and then Less Than Zero is in eighty seven as well. So that's really like that's when he's really on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and Weekend of Bernie's is eighty nine, as we know. But and that's unfortunately kind of the beginning of the end. He does Weekend of Bernie's two in ninety three, but like he never really is the lead again. Um, I'm not really sure why that is because I think that. Perhaps it's a little bit of his looks kind of hurt him a little bit in a weird way. He's a good looking guy. And I think that people don't maybe think he's as funny or as kind of that he doesn't have sort of the range that he does show in movies like Mannequin. But um, yeah, it's it's and this like he's really funny in this. Really funny. Um, I I don't know why it kind of got away from him, but it did. I don't know. That's... He's now a big direct. I mean, now that I don't know. Yeah. Now big he's directing. He directs yeah. all the time. Like and he's... people really like love him. Yeah, absolutely, I, absolutely. I, I just he's... mean like it's interesting to see in the eighties because we're all... actually sorry. In one of my first, he directed me. I just remembered this because <laughs> he was an executive producer on an ABC show called The Family that uh-huh. I did a tiny little coast. I remember that. On that's awesome. Like as one of my first jobs, yeah. and he was my director. I just remembered that. I knew I, I was like I have a weird connection to Andrew McCarthy, and I can't remember what it is. And he was so lovely. You know, uh, you know what I think it was for him. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he was a little ahead of his time for in sure. terms of this guy who kind of looks and feels like a beta, but acts yeah. like an alpha. And I think that we've, um, I, I think that those guys, certainly, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'm thinking Toby, I'm thinking, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Sarah in some roles who were kind of able to, you know, I mean, Michael Sarah and Scott Pilgrim, for instance, were kind of able to like given movies to carry. Yeah. Um, and Andrew McCarthy kind of wasn't. And he, to me, is a better version of that. Much better than those guys. I totally agree. And I'm, I'm, we actually have another Andrew McCarthy film in 99 that we'll talk about, which is called New Water for Girl, that my friend Leanne Balaban is the lead in. And he plays, I believe he plays a teacher in that. Um, she said he's lovely. I've heard nothing but lovely things about him. I, I just think it's interesting to see how, and I guess this happens for every decade, but the people, the people that were churned through the 80s that for whatever reason just never made it, you know, in the same way in the 90s, certain decades feel right for certain performers sorry danielle yeah so, no i was it's also so hard to go from the brat pack like where do you go oh yeah a hundred percent like every one yeah. of them was screwed like <laughs> you can't barely any of them besides robert was robert Downey your part of that 
He was, right? Ish. He, 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 he had like one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. But besides him, like no one else, right? Am I correct? Rob Lowe. No, I think I mean, so. Rob Lowe. Demi Moore, but yeah. So she's I only in St. Elmo's Fire, but I know what you're saying. She's just in the one? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's there also in One Crazy gentle. Summer, which is a, a chase. It's so good. Is that part <laughs> of crazy. the pack too? Uh, who are the guy? I think Andrew McCarthy. No, no. I guess. Wait, are you talking about about last night or one crazy summer? No, no, one crazy okay. summer. She's I in like. about last night as well. It's it, there's. I totally hear where you're coming from. Yeah, because there, like there's no the, most of them. Oh, it's make John it. Cusack is one crazy summer. Yeah. Uh, so I think. The, the, sorry, it's all the tangential people that seem to yes. have like really yeah. popped. Totally. You know, I mean, yeah. not to no shade on Rob Lowe, who's doing fine, or you know, <laughs> like you, like there's yeah. a lot of people who are. Well, it's because like the Judd Nelsons and the and the, the Molly Bringwalds and the what have like the the main the people at the time of that. Well, time. I I I think that there's a reason for that, and I yep. think McCarthy falls into this too. And this is a horrible thing to say, and the actors on this podcast. Oh, I can't can just, wait to hear can, it. Can, yeah, I love shoot this. me down this is be because, great. well, no, it's because it's because this is a difference between chasing your artistic muse and doing things that are a little more, um, a little more. So I guess the word I'm looking for is like a like a little more like. Um, <laughs> You won't offend. This is no, I'm not the pragmatic is not the word I'm looking for. I'm looking for something much worse than that. I'm looking for <laughs> craven is the word uh, I'm looking there for. There it is. There it craven. is. Craven. All right. Sure, sure. Here's the all right. So here's what I'm going for. Okay. Uh, <laughs> take the people in the Brad Pack. Emilio Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Andrew McCarthy, even Andrew, even Anthony Michael Hall, Ali Sheedy. Okay? Yep. The people yep, yep. who didn't pop, who didn't really get a big jump out of it. Now think about their roles in the in the in the movies. Molly Ringwald plays uber high status in in Breakfast Club and very low status in Pretty, Pretty, and, Pink, Pretty and Pink, right? Yeah. Yep. And then somewhere in the middle in in Sixteen Candles, you'll see that if you go through all of the ones I name, where sometimes they're playing really high status and sometimes they're playing really low status. Judd Nelson's playing, you know, the the punk, you know, on the outside of Breakfast Club. He works for a congressman in in Saint Elmo's Fire, <laughs> Saint right? They, Barrett, so, Barrett is just having a little bit of a meltdown a thinking little, about Judd Nelson. A hot flash. A yeah, hot flash. flash. I mean, you go all the way. Andrew McCarthy plays the nerd in this yeah. movie. He yeah. plays the good-looking guy, you know, the king in that movie. Yeah. But So what I'm saying is these six people, Ali Sheedy's the same thing. She plays like, you know, perfect girl in Elmo's Fire. She plays the outcast in uh, Breakfast Club. They did not establish themselves as a type. Mm-hmm. Right. Where Rob mm-hmm. Lowe was always this, you know, kind of airhead, handsome guy. And Demi Moore always put herself as this almost like cool, man- manic pixie dream girl. And the ones who really popped are the adjacent guys like Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. and particularly James Spader. Yeah. Who sure. Always played, even in these movies, less than zero, pretty and pink, always played this like, like uber yeah. smart, erudite outsider. Right. Always. Yes. So they, when they were young, mm-hmm. they kind of failed to establish the type of character that they were going to get cast at. That eventually, when they got to a certain you know echelon of the industry, you know mm-hmm. James Spader, we'll see it in in Sex Eyes and Videotape, is nothing like that character. But that was a few years later. So I think that that is this is just me <laughs> analyzing from my you know perch here in on this podcast. 
But that I think might have been the problem that, you know, they but didn't know I what to actually, do with I think that like Anthony Michael Hall, who I think actually did really play into his type when he was a teenager, like hit his, you know, late 20s or whenever he got, he decided to like get buff and didn't know what to do, right? Because yeah, he, sure. did, he did like have a second, he was on a, a, like a USA show. I remember when I was yeah, in the dead zone, like, yeah. a, Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and like I, he's he an interesting case. A dork anymore because he was like a buff, yeah. like kind of hot. Well, that's the like guy. There's like this deconstruction going on in Edward Scissorhands where he plays the the jock who right. So which which by the way, I think he's great in that movie. Um, but I know what you're saying, which is that he's I, trying to yeah. I think he had a uh, Jaleel White esque <laughs> uh, mental breakdown. Sure, where sure. Jaleel White, I think. Then this was like reported. Jaleel White couldn't handle playing Urkel at some point because in real life he was suave and cool. And that's why Stefan Urkel started because he basically Urkel. was like, let me show you myself. I'm actually handsome and cool and I have good posture. And I think Anthony uh. Michael Hall went through the same thing. Where he, and by the way, if you watch him in 16 Candles, as messed up as that movie is, he's a little genius. Mm-hmm. Like he's so fucking good in that. I agree. And he, hilarious and wonderful. So funny and charming and it's like it's like the ducky scene from fucking uh pretty 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 in pink yeah the entire movie yep right he's doing that one otis writing scene the whole movie and it's so good but i i do think he really probably had a problem playing the nerd because he's clearly not a nerd that's just not who he is well, yeah. it's almost like he reminds me a little bit. You said Michael Sarah earlier, and it's like he was sort of doing that in the 80s and like very successfully playing like a low status dork who was really charming and really funny. And you wanted him to like get the girl yes, and be yes, on, yes. <laughs> like be on the right side, but he could never quite like find his totally, niche, you know, in character at least. And then it sort of happened for him in real life. I think it's I think it's really interesting that um, the other two people that were considered for this film were Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, and it was going to be obviously aged down a little bit. And what? they felt that they were too young and they wanted to make the leads older, which, by the way, makes complete sense. Yeah. But at the same time, I it, sort it of do, understand it, that, you know? It does feel like, on paper, it could have been a Corey movie, and thank God it wasn't. No shade towards my beloved Corey Feldman. <laughs> no, I. But I do. Th- it's it's interesting because then when I read that, I was like, "License to Drive" is sort of kind of Weekend at Bernie's a little. It's like an aged down, lower stakes. No one's dead, but it's kind of the two of them. And I I, I do understand the instinct to want to put them in this, but I mean, it needs to be adults. Like it need you need adult situations. But um, just to give a little bit of context in terms of the development of this film, basically the writer uh, whose name, forgive me for forgetting, Robert Klein did uh, Natural Lampoon's European Vacation, which I believe is not a Kenny favorite, if I'm not mistaken. In the, it's my in the, least favorite of the series, but I still love it. Uh, <laughs> he also wrote The Man with One Red Shoe. Anyway, long story short, someone asked him, <laughs> what his dream idea was. And he's like, I, w- I want to make a movie about two kids who drag a dead guy around Fire Island. <laughs> so... Now, that would have been... <laughs> way the same dream. exciting than Hampton Island. Okay. So... Hey, I'm yeah, guessing he's never been to Fire Island. Uh, that's my assumption. <laughs> uh, so then the director, uh, Ted Kotcheff, who did Fun with Dick and Jane and Rambo First Blood, 
gets oh him, so he's a genius so he's a genius obviously uh he's like i love this idea let's do this and and then they get the script together they find the financing they obviously make the film they screen the film and john silver jonathan silverman uh was quoted in saying who the fuck is gonna find this funny after the necrophilia scene um and then <laughs> you know and then obviously <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we all did. Um, but it's the interesting thing, too, is, and I imagine this happens more times than not, which is that the movie tested really well. And I think the studio was very bullish about it and thought we've got a hit on our hands. And they just, they put it in a weekend that they just shouldn't have. And it got just absolutely massacred by these giant tentpole franchises. Ultimately, it makes it makes $30 million. It's profitable. They obviously make a sequel. It's called Hit and all of that. But it's one of those things that had they not released it in the summer, I bet if they released this in April or in October or something like that, this thing could have been, could have had bigger legs and probably could have been a bigger success. Um, I also it love seems, that... It seems like an April movie, Phil. Like, it's the kind it? of thing that gets you excited for the summer. Right, right? Gets you, gets you I right. Very right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good timing. Right. I love that. So apparently Silverman in an interview with Larry King said, I'm thrilled and shocked and confused that this little movie that I made years ago has turned into a cult hit. We made it. I was lucky to have a job at the time. I had no idea people would find it amusing. It's about a guy who dies on page 20 and we drag him around the Hamptons for the rest of the weekend. But it made people laugh. Um, I, I think that it, it's, I don't Do you know. Think he's embarrassed by this movie? I think I they, I from an actor's standpoint, they probably were when it first came out. I mean, they probably, yeah. like, if you say that Andrew McCarthy also didn't do anything great after this, yeah. like, he probably says or feels like a lot of it was because of this film. So right. I'm sure in the moment they were embarrassed by it or felt that it, I don't know, missed the mark. I would 1,000% <laughs> pay money to see you and da- you and Barrett do a remake of this movie That's together. I mean, I, I would watch the shit out of I was going to say, it's just kind of like... <laughs> can, can <laughs> But that's that's like I was watching this movie thinking if they tried to do this again, they would have to do it with women. And I think it would be totally different, totally different. like it would you could find more interesting and maybe funnier ways to like play some of this stuff. Yeah. But also like I'd watch the shit out of it. it well, you know what? Real because women never get to do crazy movies like this. Like I've been yeah. thinking about the 10 year anniversary of bridesmaids just happened last week. Yeah, One of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. Great movie. I feel super old to think about that. And I know we're not, but that's crazy. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. And like, I was, I was thinking about it going, I love that movie because we get to watch a group of very funny women do a movie that's been done a million, you know, not quite like that, obviously, but a million times with men in a bachelor party. But like, how much more interesting and innovative did it feel watching it like that? And so I was going, oh, my God, this movie would be ridiculous. If it were. Well, they, they, I would say they did. They tried. Which, was this the uh, rough night? I was just going to say, is this what you Which have? used to have a great title called <laughs> Move That Body. And some <laughs> idiot changed it to Rough Night. Yeah. What movie? But, <laughs> move That Body. I mean, Rough Night, but Move That Body. Uh, I, it's I, it's I, directed I, by the Broad City... Uh, Lucia, what's her name? I can't there remember her two, last name. And yeah, there yeah. there are two writers from Broad City and uh, and it, uh, Alana Paul Downs, Alana Glazer, yeah. and it's about five women on a bachelorette party, and they get a stripper, and the stripper like basically falls and cracks his head open and dies. Correct. And they have to um, move Scar his Joe's body, isn't she? Yeah, I believe. Yes, yeah. yes. no, it's a great cast. 
Yeah. Jillian Bell is in it. Oh, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great cast. But it's, uh, I think it suffers from being too self-important. It's not silly enough. It is like it is like it definitely wants to be fun. Yeah. But like it's the the girls trip vibe. I'm talking about girls trip the movie. The girls trip vibe works yeah. really well for girls trip, which isn't at its core about moving a dead body. Yeah. But once you're getting into moving a dead body, like How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fucking open it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like open it up and like go wild. Well, because it's like uh, it goes to uh, rough night. Feels more like it's trying to do very bad things, which you guys right. might remember that the which the, is which is honestly like a very bad movie. It's, it's not for a good some movie. reason. Like remember, people like misremember that as like a good yeah. movie. That's that's it's that's a a movie. upsetting movie. Yeah. It's, it's a good. A, it's a great cast. It's just the tone of it is all off. I just think that the thing and and we talked about this at the beginning of this episode, but it's worth reiterating that this movie is fun, even if the concept is kind of gross and weird and that tone that that high wire act that this movie is somehow finding is tricky and i think that i guess what i'm saying is like if you if you the the premise of the movie is only as insane as you'll let it be yeah and in rough night like they play it pretty straight like like the complications are that they have drugs on them, that they're professional people, yep. that they're nervous about this dead body being, you know, a, like like being the ones who are who are accused of murdering him or being held responsible. All very real world problems you would have to deal with if you were in this situation. Bernie, shit, it's not any. It's, it, they talk about it for half a second. Like, is it going to be us? But yeah. very quickly, it's like, how can we use this to our advantage? Which like right. is fun, and it's like the, that's but no what one I, ever wants to be a bad person. And I'm sure that they're like, how do we make every actor in this show or every character be likable at the end? When they think it ruins it, because really, if you think about it, their characters in Weekend at Bernie's are technically horrible people. You have to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Like they're enjoying yeah. it after the first, you know, after he they they have that brief discussion of him being dead. It's like 
like you said, they're playing it to their advantage. They're driving around in the boat, just having the best time, like doing whatever. And that's the movie that I feel like women never get to do. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I think in being terrible. Yeah. Cause I think that there is this idea that, like, we never got, you know, w- women would say, women at large, we never got our b- very bad things. So let us do our very bad things. Yeah. You really want I me mean, go do it, I guess. But that movie sucks and it's a blight on society anyway. Like, that's not what you want to do. Like, <laughs> Don't like do your do your weekend at Bernie's. Like have fucking fun with this. I agree. Like I think like Barb and Star is a really good example of like yes. let's go yes. fucking nuts and have fun. Yes, couldn't agree more. And and the thing about it's it, you, I couldn't help but think like do your weekend at Bernie's too as well. Like weekend at Bernie's too, oh, which yeah. is obviously even more gonzo and just goes completely balls to the wall. I mean, it is the Barb and Star of the weekend at Bernie's movies. But I do think that. Kenny's absolutely right. Like you're all absolutely right, which is this film is infectious in its own way because everyone's having a good time. And I think part of the problem with comedies today, and one of the reasons why I think Bridesmaids is as good as it is, is because they shot, you know, a million hours of footage and and it just has that sort of electric, you know, improvisational kind of component to it. And I think that a movie like Rough Night is trying so hard to be clever and sharp and 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 it's just it gets lost in the trip. I also think, and Kenny and I have talked about this a lot on this 89 podcast in general, but these movies are just simpler. You know, movies were just, they allowed a premise to be a premise. They didn't get too mired in how jaded an audience was or how smart an audience was. They just told the best story they could tell. And I feel like, unfortunately, we don't do that as well as we could now. Hey, though, why don't we? I agree we don't, but I why? Don't. <laughs> or are we just everything of wants to be sensitive honestly i mean sure, sure, like sure. Yeah. barbin star i think comes the closest to like being almost could could in, in a million different ways be offensive but they just go for it you know and i think yeah. that, and i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh no it's all t- cancel culture is terrible and you know right. like I, I i don't agree with that i think it's important but i also think that like yeah there were a lot of like super problematic things in weekend at bernie's and, you know, for that reason, it can be distracting at times. Sure, sure, sure. Like, if you were to pull some of that stuff out, it still would be a funny movie. Like, I don't think, like, dishonoring the dead is, like, a problem. Oh, for sure, films, for sure. You know, so, like, it, but you could delete some of the, like, <laughs> like the tiny moments of, like, homophobia or transphobia. And it would or still sexism. be a funny movie. Or obvious sexism. But, like, it would still be a super funny, ridiculous yes. movie. And, you totally. know and be still as ballsy and like go for, you know, I don't know. Well, I think that there's, I, I think part of it too, I mean, not to lament or, or to bitch about franchises and all of that, because that is ultimately what is fueling our industry in so many ways. But I do think that, you know, you could easily remake this, by the way, we're obviously going to remake reboot culture too. I think you could easily remake this film. Um, I, I, I think that this film just sort of weirdly knows what it is. And I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that this film would be as confident as it actually is in a weird way. Um, you know, I want to kind of walk through the plot really quick here, but ultimately, you know, I want, okay, I, I want to say one thing. Sure. I, I, because of this, this reboot remake talk we've been, we've been talking about, mm-hmm. I figured someone must have some. I was looking at you on the internet. I was like, what is he searching for? Please don't say that. He's trying to, trying to figure I out would, whether or not they, I'm right. trying to figure out. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out whether this, this is made. And I stumbled upon, this uh, spec someone wrote called Weekend at Bernie's 3, and I'll give you the log line. Oh, geez. No. 
in a I I'll preface it by saying it's good. <laughs> <laughs> in a pitch black comedy satire of the Hollywood reboot craze, 80s teen heartthrobs Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman attempt to restart their fading acting careers with a new sequel to their biggest hit, Cult Classic Weekend at Bernie's. But a gruesome mishap has them treading curiously familiar ground. Well, here's okay, because you can't. I get, love it. It's hilarious. I don't. I don't hate they it. Bring back the real guy, Bernie, yeah. and try to get him back, and then how he do dies, you do that? and then How do you? Get, how do you wait? This is the easiest pitch in the world. You bring back what's yeah. his name, Kaiser. Yeah. And you need him for Weekend at Bernie's three. Obviously, uh-huh. you need him, or else there's no movie. And he dies, and then you're carrying this motherfucker around. Oh, I see. Are you shooting the movie within the movie with an actual dead guy? That's actually pretty brilliant. That's actually pretty brilliant. It's so funny. I actually do like that. Unfortunately, you could get all the players back easily, and they would love to do it. Netflix would buy that tomorrow. I want to see if I can buy this from this dude. You should. You should. Um, but just to, to, to go through the plot cheap. of this, we meet Larry and Richard. They're two sort of low-level financial employees at an insurance company in New York City. Um, here's the other thing, too. This movie, and we, I'm sure Kenny obviously can attest to this as well, 80s credit sequences were great because... Oh, good. Right? So because, good. Because they had goofy fonts. They had fun music and they were just like, we're going to have a good time. (laughs) I miss them so much. I I couldn't agree with it. So like immediately you're like, it's fun New York City from 1989 when New York, I don't know if it was as fun as they're making it out to be, but maybe it was. I think it was kind of gross and dangerous, but anything's possible. Um, Both. Gross, dangerous. It's all those things. Uh, And we then have their roof uh, pool party, which I put in quotation marks. They have a kiddie pool. Um, I do love that it starts, I mean, it's kind of a silly joke. I mean, the whole movie is a silly joke, but uh, it starts on these tight shots of them and Andrew McCarthy's concerned about going swimming after eating and Jonathan Silverman's <laughs> like, you should, you should probably wait. And then he gets into a kiddie pool before uh, and slips on melted tar. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way he falls into that kiddie pool. It's great. Same. It's yeah. great. Uh, and then they realize through their reports, their actuarial reports, that there's like someone's basically Bernie's been pretending people are dead to get do more payments off of dead people, which is. Did anybody else get anxiety when uh, Andrew McCarthy was looking at those papers with the yes. tar on his hands? Yes, 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 yes. yes. The pool. I'm just like, stop, stop, <laughs> clean yourself up. This is disgusting to me. 100%. Where the absurdity began, because I was watching yeah. him try to pull that beer can off yes. of the car and being like, that's disgusting. That beer <laughs> is so hot. Like, just like, yeah. I know. <laughs> like, that's I when I felt like this is a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, we got it. Yeah. It also, like, not to, not to, you know, but the production design of that pool party on the roof has this, this, a kind of adorable sadness, weirdness to it that just kind of made me, I don't know. It, it worked in terms of setting the stage. But it's real. Like I yeah. I had friends who would get kiddie pools and put them on their rooftops, you know, and it's like totally unsanctioned. Your landlord is not aware that you people are putting like sure. whole pools of stuff that you're right. like bringing water yeah. up from your apartment to, in buckets to dump onto your roof. Like people did that, you know. Yep. And New York like, City oh. in the summer is the hottest place on earth. It's disgusting. And, that's, and if, those uh, yeah. are just 
it is, it is, it is, a, it is, a, if you don't have air conditioning or if you can't get out of the city, yep. you are left there to fry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the roast, you are, you're roasting. Um, so then, I, sorry, oh, please. You have no, please oh, I just love that. The, I think it was a director or writer really wanted to make sure that it was as real as possible and as silly, as stupid as this premise is. Mm-hmm. And like that, it just continues on. Like there are these little tidbit, like that really, I think make you go like, I love this or I can relate to this in some oh. way. I it's, just, yeah. it's a very, it's an oddly endearing moment because yes. you, you like them. You know that they're at the bottom of the food chain. You're rooting yep. for them. They're the underdogs. Um, and then they, they discover great yeah, chemistry yeah. too. And they do have great right, chemistry. Right in the beginning, I, I kind of noticed just how, how, how real their chemistry felt, despite mm-hmm. the fact that one is a normal human being and the other wears plaid on plaid <laughs> to work meetings. <laughs> it's true. They do seem, they do seem like friends. Sorry, what was that, Barrett? Oh, the purple converse. Yes. And those socks. Yes. I was like, you're sweating so much right now. Yes. Speaking yes. of being hot in New York in the summer, I was like, take those fucking socks off, dude. He is, he's also, I think he's daring you to like him. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. He's like, you, you, you could never like someone like me. Look at how I dress when I come to meet you. Um, but- <laughs> But they find these payments. They figure out that Bernie's essentially... Well, they don't actually figure out that Bernie's the one. They figure out the company is doing this. Someone's doing this. Uh, They go and tell him about it. There's a great scene that's actually shot really interestingly as well. There's lots of like weird, almost like diopter shots of like people in deep in the foreground and people in the background. There's all this like... And the office itself looks so fucking 80s. Like it's just... It's all these like blacks and grays and faux stone looking shit. It's just great. Uh, And... uh, Matrix computers everywhere. it's, It's great. I loved it. I mean, printers... Um, then we meet Gwen, which isn't as great, unfortunately. It's just a lot of like hitting on the intern stuff that's just kind of like it feels rote. And her, I mean, truthfully, I feel for the actress that plays Gwen, who has nothing to do in this movie. She's just literally like a skeleton key for plotting whenever they need her. Um, but the actress I thought was quite good. I just think she just unfortunately doesn't. Yeah, it do. felt a little bit like they needed a reason for why would Jonathan yeah. Silverman not call the police? And like, they're like, oh, yeah, a girl. A girl. Yes. Right? Like, it, 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 it. that was the only purpose she really served was that exact mm-hmm. moment when he's on the phone with the cops mm-hmm. and he's like, and doesn't do it. And that was it. it. And you want to know what? Oh, go ahead, Barrett. Oh, what? Sorry, sorry. I just sort of wish that it had that like, maybe they met some girls up there and that became part yeah. of the story, but yeah. that she wasn't, that it was more about his like am- work ambition or like his workplace ambition, which it yeah. sort of was, but like, it just felt weak maybe because she wasn't super compelling, but like, you know, she's just not girl. written very well. Unfortunately, well, I, I was going to say, and I, I will say it. Um, yeah. The, it, it really speaks to like kind of what and where the male gaze was at the time and is now that that the the rational character is the one who who will give it all up for some intern he had a bad date with and the irrational character is the one looking to have parties and meet new people like it's and i i don't even think i don't even think i'm shading that to like make it sound worse than it is it's like there there was this idea that like it's like it's a rational almost romantic move mm-hmm. to just like blindly lust after a girl who's already rejected you cuz you're a big liar you know <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
that's yep. what we can relate to. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that that's. Uh, I completely agree, Barrett. I wish it was. I wish he met her there. That doesn't seem that hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite. I mean, I I do agree with Barrett that like it was a connective tissue back to the the work and professionalism. But I also think that like I also just so he hits. He doesn't even really hit on her. He tells her that his aunt is dying or his aunt died. That's like the first thing he says to her. And she doesn't really know what to do with that, obviously. Um, and then he like does this, I guess, cute thing where he hides behind his briefcase as he walks past her at the office. And she finds that endearing. <laughs> I don't know. He it sells seem- it. I'll give her credit. She sells it. She's adorable. And she so does sell it. Yes, she, she sells does. it. Yes. But you know, there's not much to do. <laughs> don't you think like, I mean, it, it allows me to appreciate where we are hopefully for the most part now with yeah. films like this that are just supposed to be funny that like we, it wouldn't have lost the movie anything to give her more to do, you know, when like they're in the elevator. Like I just noticed that right off the bat, like Andrew McCarthy's just like jabbing her in the shoulder as like, and pretending to be Jonathan Silverman. And then she turns around and doesn't say anything. And it's like, the movie wouldn't lose anything if she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, if yeah. a more, you know, direct, you could still yes. make that transition yes. from being like, who the fuck are these guys yes. who, totally. oh, he's kind of cute. Like, but without making her just a puppet. I mean, she truly, the only initiative that she shows is she says, I hope your aunt's doing better, which is like her way of like talking to him. Right. And then you have like an admittedly funny physical bit of comedy of him in the elevator, not in the elevator, the elevator doors, right, right, right. that whole bit, which which I thought was, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also say too, as a person who, doesn't really love elevators because I'm a little claustrophobic. The, all those people jamming themselves into those elevators in New York to like get to their offices or whatever. I was like, no, thank you. I'll take the fucking stairs. Like, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so then we get to um, the scene that Kenny was referring to earlier with the, with the mobsters um, where... Basically, Bernie goes to the mobster and says, we got to kill these kids. They know too much. And then the mobster's like, you're fucking my girlfriend, so I'm actually going to kill you instead. The girlfriend, who, by the way, feels as though she's... <laughs> I couldn't help but be reminded of Jennifer Tilly in uh, Bullets oh, Over Broadway. So. Yeah. Yes. yes. She's, like, definitely got that energy. <laughs> I love her so much when she's out there going, Bernie, 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 Bernie. <laughs> she's great. She's a cartoon so character, but she's great. Yeah. And he, though, when he played that high pitch, when yeah, she when was she grabs that, his crotch. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's great. <laughs> oh, he's, he's hilarious. He's, he's great. He's saying the guy's uh, name, then he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. Um, so then we have um, Richard and Gwen go on this date together, uh, which is, I guess, sort of cute. It's fine. They're, she's very eager to go back to an apartment where no one is there. Um, he seems less... Because uh, that doesn't exist in New York, obviously. Apparently not. Um, but he takes her back to his parents, as we mentioned, with some tremendous set design. Um, and he... There's a whole bit where like, he talks about his parents dying and then his father walks out in underwear in the middle of them making out, (laughs) which was fantastic. And that's the director, by the way, of the film. Oh, really? Which is amazing. What a king. (laughs) I thought so too. Uh, He's fantastic. Um, And then Richard pretends that he's the butler. (laughs) 
Amazing. Amazing. You went too far. You went too far. You went too far. What is is the line? Because I was watching with my boyfriend and we both laughed out loud. What does he say when he, when his son's like, you can go? Yeah, you can can lay out my my clothes. My lay out my clothes. He's like, I'll lay you out. (laughs) (laughs) He's so dry. He's so dry. He's fantastic. He's wonderful. Uh, So then Bernie, oh, I forgot to mention that. Bertie invites them to the Hamptons, Hamptons, Long Island, I guess. Is is that where it is? Or where is that? That is where the Hamptons are. Long Island. But he does say Hamptons Island. Oh, he does say Hamptons Island. And I did Google Hamptons Island because I was like, is there something I don't know about the Hamptons? that (laughs) It doesn't exist. I know. The the FOMO was coursing through my veins. You're like, wait, is there a Hamptons Island I need to go to? Uh, But so he invites invites them for Labor Day weekend to this party. I'm assuming he invites them there because that way he'll know they're both there so that they can be killed at his party? Yes. Well, yeah, he sets up the whole ransom thing with the note, or not the ransom thing, the the death note, the suicide note with the money. Correct, correct. Uh, So then... um, Bernie arrives at the island before Larry and Richard plans the murders with this guy, Polly, the hitman on the phone, unaware that the conversation is being recorded on an answering machine. Again, it gets a little sweaty. Like it's definitely like contorting itself into some pretzels yes, for plot. Yes. But uh, Bernie then plants cash and, and it, a fake confession. And, and it didn't have to. It didn't, it didn't have to be this sweaty. It didn't. Uh, and I think I do think that like the one my one negative uh, comment about this movie. Well, it's a, it's a it's an umbrella comment. <laughs> okay. I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities. Yes. I think <laughs> things that things that could have been. All right. So I think one is simplifying the plot. Like you didn't need all these like re- really ridiculous machinations. <laughs> Two, I think the gangsters could have been much bigger, much broader, much much funnier. I and I three, I think that uh, they really kind of they really kind of like cheaped out without having a killer 80 soundtrack playing throughout the whole thing totally there were so many times with you know where where it really needed either score or or a needle drop that you know brought me to emotionally where i wanted to be but just felt really static in a way that bugged me um i felt the same way there's a lack of propulsion going on and i think score and editing it really could have just i do i think like i think Technically speaking, this movie is not where it needed to be, which is a weird thing to say about Weekend, Weekend of Bernie's, Bernie's <laughs> which should, you know, which by all rights should be a to complete dud and is very close to a masterpiece. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do think like, you know, it could have really just been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I actually think the movie is perhaps like five to 10 minutes too long. Like, I think that if it had just been tightened a little bit and to your point, Kenny, there I don't even need like I didn't feel that way 80s, at all. I, I think that there's there's it, there's a at the bit, eighty but. minute mark because it only had twenty minutes left or like twelve minutes left yeah. at the eighty minute mark. Rollins and I, Rollins, my son, I was like it's almost over. Like it flew for us. I don't. I, all I'll say is more importantly, I didn't need eighties hits. Enough. 
I needed 80s songs. Like I just needed yeah. some I needed something that was just giving it a bit of a kick in the pants is really ultimately. Yeah, like the, like it's re- like that ridiculous like theme to the movie which was terrible. It was perfect. So good. It was so good. I disagree. Yeah. I loved all the music. I don't think it needed any more music or any different music. <laughs> that was like stupid cheesy tunes that it played. I That's keep great. like they they remind me of that movie. I just needed yep. more of it. That's all. I just needed to play <laughs> the whole movie. I want, I, no, I want no I want no doubt. You know cuz in, in Weekend Burn is too yes. there is music playing throughout the whole movie because it's actually like diegetic mood music that's important yeah. in the plot uh and that's a vibe that i i kind of was hoping that would be you know running through this movie this movie feels a little bit uh early 80s and yeah. i say that i say that as a criticism before they kind of recognize the power of the soundtrack like mannequin is you know it's great a little, that little starship song that Starship song at the end? It is such a good fucking song. so fucking good. Um, <laughs> going like, wow, okay, this became a podcast about the music in <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I appreciate it. I just don't think, I didn't, I didn't think about it once. And as you're saying it, I'm like, it's like they almost relied on the energy of Andrew McCarthy primarily to just careen them from one thing yep. to another, as opposed to like the editing or the music or, you know, whatever else it just was sort of the, the characters sort of stumbling <laughs> from one thing to another with all of this momentum. Speaking of music, that end, you know, speaking Barrett, of music, yeah. As the expert. What? Is there a weekend at Bernie's musical? No, no. Could there oh, be? Is really but, my question. Yeah, there could be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I swear to God, they're they're making everything into a musical. I, right now. There's some shit oh, that I'm hearing oh, about. You just say you're just saying the bar is so low, but but don't you think this could be really good? Well, I think it could be an amazing. I know who I would cast as Bernie first Ooh. of all. Um, I mean, it, it, oh, Andy Carl, who was in who I did Groundhog Day with. Okay, he, okay he, sure. Amazing. I mean, he's a little young for it right now. You're saying he, that your friend would be an amazing playing the dead person. Yeah, because he's it would be an amazing. He's a great dancer, and he's like an amazing physical comedian. And he's like, he's like really charming, and could do the first part really well. And then it would hinge on an incredible physical performance from him. Like, and you know, they would have some massive dance numbers with him. Just yes. like, exactly, exactly. You know, well, this makes me imagine think that, how cool that would be. It could would you, be great. Are you seeing a merging of one and two, Kenny? Like, are you seeing this musical as being sort of a blending of the burning movies? I yeah. almost am thinking it's it's a, a new thing altogether. Interesting. You know, like with you know, very much of the spirit, very much these same characters, but kind of a new storyline. Uh, and I'm almost thinking maybe I mean, because I, I do think you want Bernie to be as active as possible. Yeah. Right. So I don't know how you exactly you get there, but maybe Bernie is like a maybe Bernie's like a like a wedding singer band, like a wedding band singer. And that's what they need to do with him uh-huh, or something uh-huh, uh-huh. where like some, something where you get him up and moving and singing and is very like, I mean, I think that that. Works. But is that for- not where the magic of the second one perhaps could come into play in terms of, you know, he does get pretty reanimated in that. <laughs> it could, <laughs> but I, it, it could. And I'm like, I, I like this, the, that stuff, but I think yeah. that, I think the, the, the puppetry we're talking about yeah, yeah. would be amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so many like things they do now. Like, I mean, we did some, anima- they, we did some, anima- some amazing shit in Groundhog Day. But also, you know, we didn't use anybody getting pulled up into the, you know, I mean, I can just picture them strapping him into something. Yes. 
and this is also making going, you know in the like in the theater which they can right. make happen now you go I mean, big like yeah. there's all kinds of crazy because well, now i'm thinking that bernie's starting to feel like war horse <laughs> Yeah. You know how they did the horse yeah. with the puppets? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's great. Uh, well, guys, I, I, you know, we're obviously going to do this. Um, so at this point, Polly arrives and kills Bernie with a heroin overdose, which I got to be honest, it's kind of a clever way to kill somebody. Right. Kind of a good way to go, Tim. I'm sure it is. Uh, so Larry and Richard arrive. They're at Bernie's house. They're shocked to find that Bernie's dead before they call the police. The guests arrive at the party and no one cares that this guy is dead, essentially. Um, and they put some sunglasses on him to conceal his lifeless state. I don't know how concealing it is, but all that being said, uh, fearing that they're going to be implicated in Bernie's death, they want to maintain the luxury of this house for the weekend. And they decide the, to maintain this illusion. <clears throat> the sunglasses are iconic. Of course, I'm not, I'm not against the sunglasses. I know. That so sometimes it's iconic. <laughs> sometimes the aesthetic is, is worth the sweatiness. And I do sure. think that, like, sure. you know, they, John, John the Silverman very quickly says, I can't look at his, like, dead eyes or some shit like that. Yeah, something And like that. that's why they keep putting sunglasses on yeah. him. But it's a great look. I, that's what I would uh, do with the dead guy if I was trying to make him look alive. It becomes less of a great look when his, his wig his toupee comes off and that clearly that bald that clearly i mean all of it it's it's absurd but yes it's uh but then there's a weird thing that happens where richard and gwen go to a lighthouse and richard gets blinded by the lighthouse there's just it's just like weird stuff that i just i don't know why we needed the lighthouse I mean, I, I think guess that was them trying to probably, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like them trying to like build a relationship because there was none sure. between sure. them. Sure. Because even in the end, you're like, wait, why is she with him? He lied to her multiple yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. The lighthouse cool. feels like world building in a weird way. Which, I mean, it was, if you're kind of not overthinking it, it's cute yeah. and adorable. He falls and hurts himself and she's yeah. able to like take care of him. But, and then, then she almost, what is it right after that she almost has sex with him on the beach and then Bernie walks. Bernie washes up, and that's and Bernie cock blocks him essentially, <laughs> which I thought was funny. I actually thought that was. Funny. I mean, Bernie does a lot of cock blocking for yeah. a dead guy. It's pretty. Bernie gets laid. No one else does. Kind of impressive. <laughs> that's funny. Yes, <laughs> amazing note. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, there's that, uh, which brings us to the part where Tina shows up and has sex with him, um, and that makes the mobsters think that he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, it's a hilarious <laughs> running joke. I mean, it is. they keep killing him and then he keeps coming back. And it's not, I just, I mean, that, that mobster is correct. 50% of the way there, I but there is a lot more to do. Correct. I think. Correct. Uh, there's a, there's an, um, speaking of technical, a lack of technical proficiency, there's a moment where Tina comes down the stairs after having sex with Bernie and she's singing but her mouth is not moving. So there's this terrible ADR moment of her walking down the stairs and she's singing, but her mouth isn't moving, which is kind of great. Um, and then uh, she's, uh, right, so fooled into thinking Bernie's assassination failed. Uh, Polly tells Vito. It's a whole thing. Uh, the next morning, Richard is appalled to discover that Larry's further in the illusion of Bernie being alive by manipulating the body's limbs and playing Monopoly with him. There is a great moment where he puts his hand on like a <laughs> string and has him waving at everybody yeah. and doing all these ridiculous movements. Yeah. It's great. Lands at an Oriental Avenue. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so then 
Richard attempts to call the police, but instead activates the phone message detailing Bernie's plot to kill them. That is also one of the first times they get, they go real slapsticky with Bernie's body right before Correct. he falls Correct. off the deck. Yes. He gets, yes. I, I, I lost it when the mobster, you know, is, is choking the life it's out of an already dead guy. On top of it. So, so funny. Then the kid is burying him. Correct. Correct. And I, I like that they, yeah. Wait, sorry. I love that kid so much. How is that? That kid is you. Barrett, that oh, yeah. kid is you. It is. That kid is and you. That kid, <laughs> what does he say when he like turns around and he looks at him and goes, He's like, fuck you. <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, I like that. that is like the gif I want to use for everything. Like, yeah, I just great. want that little image yeah. of that kid being yeah. like. That kid's the button on the movie. Oh yeah, like, he's amazing. Yeah, at the end, yeah. Love him. Like it's it's yeah. great. Um, then we get the bald head thing, the stapling of the wig. I don't know that we needed that, but I mean, I guess I want to say one going. more thing about please, my son, please. which I can't, yeah. I can't stop. He yeah. so when we watch PG thirteen movies, he's very, he's very into finding the one fuck. Yes, you know the, yes, when they say is. fuck, and it happens uh, earlier with some woman says fuck, and he's like, that's what they use the fuck on. So the kid does this. Yeah. And he goes, you know, I think they would have used the fuck on that if they hadn't already done it. <laughs> he's like, I think, he's like, I think they should have. I think it would have been funny. It's, kids- <laughs> it's a good note from Rollins. Yeah. Uh, then we get this this very elaborate boat sequence that that really feels like them. This was where they went all out. Budget wise, feels like the boat stuff. Soundtrack wise, this is where they correct, needed some real, some real fun kind of jumpy. Yes. You know, uh, okay, okay, I see that. I see it. Because they're trying to get off the island and they can't. <laughs> so they keep trying <laughs> to get off rocks. the island and they keep getting thwarted in these various attempts. Um, and they keep getting stuck with Bernie. Like it's it's weird in the sense that like they kind of just want to dump Bernie and get the fuck off the island, but Bernie keeps like reemerging in their lives essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you have this whole boat sequence dragging Bernie behind the boat oh. and hitting his body on these metal pillars along the way. It's it's hilarious. good stuff. It's hilarious. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> like I, it's it's hilarious. just great. The boat uh, pulling out though gave me a lot of anxiety. Yes. Like a lot. Yes. Being hooked to the the dock still, the anchor being oh, yeah. people, Andrew yep. McCarthy just not being able to drive that entire scene. I was like, just move on to the next <laughs> It's, so it's kind of stressful to watch. Yes. Because it's really fucking dangerous. <laughs> like you're just anyway. So they eventually get onto the open seas, they do all this this shit, then they run out of gas. Oh, the- too much. This movie's too <laughs> so then they have to go back to the island with Bernie. Right. Like, where, where this is where I would have loved a reason to keep Bernie around. Like sure. you know, like an actual like a plot. I know that it might have made everything even a little more ridiculous, but like why wouldn't you just dump that body and sw- you know, right. I mean I guess he was their flotation device or whatever, but it was yep. just sort of like it made all of a sudden I was thinking about like why have they kept this body it, in so long? It was and bad. Staged it like had a hilarious scene where they stage it in his house and then you know they get to get off scot free or whatever. But like I know that's not the plot of the movie. I was just sitting there going like why are they dragging this body out into the ocean and they're not even going to do anything with it out there? Mm-hmm. Well, it was bad. I mean, it was there, and this is like it could have been a lot better. But it was it was on the um, answering machine. Oh right. Ernie, Bert Ernie, 
Bernie said, don't kill him when I'm around. So their idea was, if they're with Bernie, they won't be killed. Right. It was lame. I think there could have been a million better reasons, but I do think that is the, like, the, the contextual reason why they had to you know, use his body as a kickboard. They, it feels like they're using him as cover right? And in the hopes that if he's around, they won't get killed. It's it's again like an unnecessary thing <laughs> uh, that doesn't you know totally work but they get back there Polly's now unhinged by his apparent failure to kill bernie they return to the island gwen confronts larry and richard who now confess that bernie is dead Polly appears opens fire at bernie then turns his attention to larry and richard and gwen he's chasing them around then larry's able to tie him up in the phone cord um oh, Polly's trying to bite him the entire time. Correct. <laughs> correct. Um the police Bernie eventually arrive. In the nuts. Yeah, they put him in a fucking straight jacket. Yeah. Larry, they don't do that enough in movies anymore. They don't Larry put people in straight jackets anymore. Kills it, by the way. Yes. Like the fact that Larry single-handedly, because Silverman comes out with the uh with the lamp, mm-hmm. he never uses it. So he single-handedly takes down this mobster with a phone cord? Correct. And then then give him one of these? Yeah. Like, boxes him down? Yeah. Like, it's so cool. (laughs) I'm so so into him at that moment. Oh, and then the, the police take Polly away in a straitjacket. Bernie's loaded into an ambulance. However, the gurney rolls away, topples off into the boardwalk, dumping him on the beach directly behind our three main leads. Uh, and they run away after noticing him. Um, after The Burbs, which was another movie that ends with an ambulance crashing and a gurney coming out, this feels like maybe this was a trope in the 80s that I didn't really know about, which is gurney hijinks. But yeah, all but that this being is said, hilarious. Honestly, it's great. Don't even know why we haven't used that on Station 19 yet. I really feel like you guys should. Come it on, feels like a missed opportunity. Mess. It really does. Um, so, yeah, and then basically the young boy comes back and starts scooping buckets of sand over the body, burying Bernie. I had this weird feeling at the end of feeling sorry that Bernie wasn't getting a proper burial. <laughs> at this point, this guy's been through enough. Can we Fuck give him Bernie. a proper burial? Fuck him. He tried to kill the guys. Yeah, Fuck that guy. Great. I think that's the best, most honorable burial he could have had. With that's that true. little awesome kid jumping buckets of sand on top of him. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I actually think <laughs> you're absolutely right. Even there to be rediscovered right. in another film, you know? I think you're absolutely right. I, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this movie other than that I think it might actually now be an 80s comedy masterpiece in a way that I certainly didn't before we sat down to talk about this. Um, Do you guys... Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Kenny, do you have other thoughts you want to add to this? uh, No, I loved it. I I loved it. I love this podcast. (laughs) Danielle, I feel like this is your movie. So, I I mean, this this was your... You concocted this. You made this happen. I did so, make this happen. So, are there are there any other you know feelings you have about this film that you wanna that you wanna relay to the masses? No, I think it's good whenever we talk about it because you make me realize little things. Like, yeah, I guess it kind of got a little weak and slapstick right in the you know right course of the way through, and then kind of wrapped it up at the end. Maybe you're right; it needed some better '80s music, I guess, in that part as well. Even though I do love the cheesy music at the beginning. Um, <laughs> 
I love it. I come to the agreement that Barrett and I should make a television oh, or, a, or a TV movie remake. Please, please, <laughs> do it, guys. No, I mean four thousand screens. Let's go. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you guys. And yo, I can mean, you sing? Um, I can pretend to sing. I'll be like um, <laughs> the lady that comes down the stairs. I won't move my mouth, but you guys can dub it over. All right, me. all right, all right. <laughs> no. That's Look, fantastic. I think it's a great I think it's a great idea. I think you could put it you could set it in a totally different place mm-hmm. and me and Danielle which I mean that's why I I keep laughing cuz I thought this was an assignment from maybe Phil and Kenny because that was the idea. Because I do I l- watch this and I'm like this this is like a real life thing that we could go through. Danielle. You're just getting Maldives flashbacks, Barry. Yeah, oh. yeah, like we just you guys end go to- up I'd watch a Maldives version of this with you guys for sure. Well, it goes like one of two ways. It's either the last movie we did this podcast together about. It's true. Yeah, Brokedown Palace. <laughs> yeah, it's really yes, kind of one true. or the other. Feels like they're yeah. both ends of a very interesting spectrum. Maybe that's the underlying thing. I know I'm doing podcasts with Barrett, and I'm like, I'm just manifesting that I want to remake these movies with Barrett. Oh my god, <laughs> just like that's tremendous. Buddy comedies yeah. about. Yeah. hijinks or you know getting arrested or getting prisoned in in thailand i would i would you guys should be the next you know duo like why isn't that happening you guys should be the next mccarthy and silverman <laughs> i mean with much don't don't the sadness and fear in Barrett's face when you said I that. Love both of them, well, but it's I. I, I no, it was a joke. It was a joke. You could be the lemon, the, the lemon and Mathow. Yeah. I wish that I wish that you guys. I mean, God, I wish you could have talked to Jonathan Silverman about Weekend of Birdies when he was on the show. That would have been, you? Would have been amazing. I feel like Danielle must have. I did talk about it. We did have a very in-depth conversation, but I told him how much I loved him in Weekend at Bernie's. And I think let's see if we can get him on. Let's see if we can get on the pod. Oh my god! We should try to get him on. Talk about Uh, Weekend at Bernie's. I don't know that he wants to talk about. How cool would have been if you guys surprised us with him? Yeah, he's here right now. You mystery guested him. Yeah, that would have been. I know he lives not that far. They can actually make this work because really, also I think is friends with. Our old casting director. Uh huh. And that's Listen. one of the reasons when he got it, they were like, How is it? How are you liking? We love Jonathan. Was he? Here's the question, Danielle. When yeah. you went up to him and said, I loved you in Weekend of Bernie's, how was that received? Was it received positively or was it received with the, Oh, great? No, I, I think it was more, Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, Yeah. Like, I don't even remember what he said. Right. Kind of, I talked about many right. other after that but i just had to let him know that i loved that movie growing up i and, i imagine he gets that a lot yeah and he might not love it <laughs> no for him it probably was like uh yeah i got when it actually yeah. happened he was so nice though and so chatty like so oh, so wonderful and that was that's awesome so i imagined i didn't hear it but i imagine that must have been a oh, very so pleasant funny. conversation i think that there's probably a a double-edged sword for him because in a lot of ways Mm-hmm. It has prolonged his career, mm-hmm. but also gave him the career he didn't want at all. But it's interesting, like you said, Andrew McCarthy really didn't work much after this, and this is one of Jonathan Silverman's first movies. So it's almost like it brought his name into. We know his name because of I know his name because of Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, sure, sure. I think there's also, and I I don't know how this. I, this is this is a you problem in the sense that you guys are actors, so I imagine people come up to you 
you know, and say how much they love you in whatever the projects are. I imagine that the the lesser seen things are the ones that you might very well feel a little bit more attached to in a certain way. Like I was talking to someone the other day about how she saw uh, Alia Shawkat at the airport or something like that. And she went up to her and she said, you know, I loved you in, and you could tell that Ali was like prepared for Arrested Development, like that that would be the thing. But she actually mentioned some ABC family show called like State of Grace or something like that that she loved that was some show that ran for a season. And Ali was so happy to talk about that, right? Like was just like, thank you for the thing that people haven't seen as much. So I imagine that getting reminded of the thing constantly could mm. be, you know, slightly will, annoying. I'll true. say this. I, uh, I had thought I'd heard this and i think it's true because i just looked it up he was offered or not he was offered right. the network wanted him to play ross on friends see that makes Jonathan sense yeah no. yeah crane and kaufman wanted schwimmer and the network wanted silverman and uh crane and kaufman won but um but yes it does seem like that is the sliding doors version of his life and as That's an actor amazing. it is miserable when you're so similar to another actor <laughs> that yeah. also is like you guys are like you look like you have the same vibe and that was yeah. the one that i'm gonna go murder Kristen bell for you okay don't worry <laughs> Can I i'm just... glad i'm glad that that's my comparable <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's it's interesting because and i i i imagine as actors this is something this is something that happens all the time right which is that people go you, you know People audition for roles and, you know, but I have a friend and this, I always think about this in this particular situation. I have a friend, more of an acquaintance who was cast in the first shot version of Big Bang Theory. She was the Kaylee Cuoco character oh. and oh. got recast. Wow. And now this podcast just took a real turn. Like, it's just so, it happens. I just can't even imagine. I can't I mean, even imagine. You think about like, like ev- oh, it's got to be it's got to be tough. But again, like this is just this is the business we work yeah. in. I'm sure that you know, Kenny and I have been in situations. I'm sure in terms of like going up for jobs and someone else gets it, and that's just what it is. But like, it, it's a uh, it's brutal when it's a. I've never had a big fan theory situation. Oh well, sure. Not I've not. never I've never been the Dunkelman of anything. The so, Dunkelman, yeah. but like I imagine Silverman has to look at that at Friends and be like, what could have been. I think you have to let it go at some point. If like sure. everyone, like if, you know, if you just you know got what? stuck on that. Look, I'm going to say this too, is I, like, I love David Schwimmer. I, I didn't really give a shit about friends, but wow. yeah, I didn't watch friends at all. I was like, we're friends too. Barrett, because we might be the only two people in the world that don't care about friends or watch yeah. friends. Good yeah. It's, it's probably doesn't, yeah, I'm sure. We'll Do you, so out of curiosity, because you guys are, are younger than Kenny and I. So I think is part of that a little bit generational? No, because my friends love friends. Same. Interesting. Them. Okay. Okay. Same. I don't know that many people who haven't watched it. I think it was just a combination of like, Danielle was watching like seven and weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and I, and I was watching The Birdcage and Tea with Mussolini for some reason. I love The Birdcage. We missed, like, we just, I wasn't, watch, I wasn't like, allowed to watch TV. Tea so with Mussolini trumping friends so, is the most scary so, thing I've ever heard in my so life. I was, yeah, I was like, something's just passing by. about Maggie Smith. Like, that's not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but can I ask what was your friends? And by like, was there a comedy? Was there a show that you watched that like, did Ooh. you guys have a thing? The Golden Girls. <laughs> uh, well, 
I mean, amazing and a great show. Very good. <laughs> Reasonable. That's what I watched. You I didn't mean, have I, a sitcom that spoke to you, Barrett, when you were a kid? Not really? No, it wasn't until I got into, actually, you know what's crazy? Because I've been in the middle of like a solid rewatch for the millionth time. But like, I didn't really watch TV until mm-hmm. I was in like mid to late high school. I wasn't sure. like allowed to. So when I caught on to like fun TV... I bought the DVDs, like the whole DVD set of Arrested Development. And I watched all of that. I watched Dirty Rock like a crazy person. Sure. I watched, you know, and this is the all office. later. Right. Yeah, I watched The Office. I watched but Arrested the- Development and Dirty Rock are the two best shows. Those are the two funniest shows yeah. that have ever I, been on TV. The Office is, uh, Dirty Rock is the funniest show that's ever been on TV. Okay. Arrested right. Development might be number two. They're just, See, they're, they're, they're the funniest. I like, they're the funniest. They're, 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 they might not be the, like, I, I, I love The Office and I think it's incredibly funny, but I also think The Office is really, really mean spirited and um, doesn't age that well. Like, I think The Office See, it's is funny. Ba- I have the exact feelings about Arrested Development. I think that shows mean spirited and it actually doesn't no, it's age not. that well. Interesting. No, it's not. I don't. Again, I, I'm not. I don't Arrest hate Bell, it by any means, but I'm just. Arrest development's all punching up. Don't. Uh, the office is almost all about like Jim, the one handsome, well-adjusted kid, like good-looking guy, making fun of all the fucking weirdos in the office and bullying them. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, Parks and Rec, I'm more of a Parks and Rec person than an office person to begin with. It has a bigger heart. But it's I, that's, that's my, my thing ultimately comes down to, and it's why I haven't done a full rewatch of 30 Rock, and I know that people love it, and I should probably do that. Um, and I liked it when it was on. It just didn't really stay with me because I tend to gravitate more, more towards the shows that are like overtly a little bit more heart forward than snark forward. We so that's mean. I don't like that. I snark, I snark forward. You don't. You don't think that those are snarky snark shows? Snark forward. They're hilarious. That that's not disputing my point. But well, I, I hear mean, you. But no, you can't be a, a show that, that that you can't be a show that rides on snark. That's not a thing. You and ride on story. I would argue that Parks and Rec is also about a bunch of people. Weirdly, as the more I watch it and the older I get when I do rewatch bits of it, I'm like, all these people are like working in public service, but they're very self-involved. Like I cannot stand well, that's true. That's true. That's... Tom. I I can't yeah, Tom sucks. stand him. Well, Aziz really has a whole thing either, now. To be honest. Aziz has a whole thing now. That the... I know, but it's like I know that people like love the dynamic of all these characters, and I'm like, actually, I think they're all really obnoxious. But Parks and Rec I, I, is tough to rewatch now, especially with Chris Pratt being what Chris Pratt has turned into. So there's there's just he's stuff so with brilliant. Parks and Rec. He's, he so, he's, he's, he's so funny. I, I will never be able I just, to I think the reason I brought this up, the reason I brought this up is because I do think that, you know, 80s sitcoms and early 90s sitcoms are different than your late 90s, early 2000s and what have you. Like, it does feel as though there are sort of these, like, different times. And I look at the 80s, and to me, it's like the, 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 the show is... Cheers is the show that I associate with, like, 80s sitcoms. And I think Cheers is great. I've rewatched Cheers over the years, and, and I do think that show holds up incredibly well. But there's something very classical about that. Like, it's it's obviously, you know, multicam and, and all of that. And I just think it's interesting to see that sort of shift. I think Weekend at Bernie's falls into an 80s paradigm as well, to a certain degree. So that's... And I don't, I don't say that denigrating... 
you know, anything that uh, that came out of the 90s, obviously. And, and I, by the way, like, I still love Arrested and 30 Rock. I just, I wouldn't ride for them in the same way that some other shows speak to me. That's Hey, okay. it's your prerogative. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for letting me have that. It's the way that you want to live. But, (laughs) uh, yeah, I I think think Bernie's strengths are in its 80s aesthetic. I think it's beyond just the look of it, the feel of it, the pace of it, the the willingness to take the particular, you know, leaps it takes. Um, I hope that we get to have Halloween again someday and that I can be the Bernie to Barrett and Danielle's Weekend nice. at Bernie's Halloween costume because I think that that would be tremendous, oh, and that I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. I could just pretend like I'm dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genius. <laughs> there you go. I try. I could just smile <laughs> with sunglasses. Can't deny that I would want to dress up like the Andrew McCarthy <laughs> because it's just more my style. But I do think that, like, if we were to, and that's probably who we who we would play. I, I don't know. Who do you think? Do you think I would play the Andrew McCarthy or would I be the straight man? You would absolutely be Andrew McCarthy solely for the purple converse. Yes. You but could what? rock Andrew's oh, outfits Silverman. in this movie so well. What? McCarthy. I don't Silver- know who you were pointing at. Yeah, I I'm, I'm pointing, pointing at Oh, sorry. I'm pointing at you, Barrett. Barrett, you are you are Jonathan Silverman. I'm Silverman. Really? Dan, Dan, yeah, Danielle, you're I I've done a few podcasts with you guys now. <laughs> And Danielle, you're you're a bit of a wild card. I got to tell you, <laughs> you're, you're a little wacky. You're a little wacky. So I don't know, Barrett. You're 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 very you're very self assured. I don't very know. Composed. If that was, very composed. <laughs> I don't know how to take this, Kenny. <laughs> they're, somebody- they're they're both compliments, but I feel like you both you take them both as. Uh, as, as insults. No, I don't. As somebody who's worked with Danielle and like knows her sense of humor and knows that she is at her absolute funniest when she has no idea what, <laughs> like when she's like going for it. Right. But can like, I also say that I feel like Jay Hayden already dresses like Andrew McCarthy in this movie? Yes. Oh. Yes. So I feel like, you know, there's that too. Um, guys, this, this was, this was, an absolute blast. And I really, Always. really thank you both for Always. coming on. I have to say, I'm sorry for saying a lot of actors' names wrong in this podcast. What? Stop. Oh, yeah. It's Ted Kaiser, not Terry Kaiser. I said it wrong. You corrected me. It's all good. Like, it's um, also like Anthony C. Hall, not Anthem, Anthony Michael. It's Anthony Michael. It's all good. You wait, got wait, Michael wait. C. Hall and Anthony. Anthony, Anthony uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, Anthony, it's Anthony Michael Hall. Correct. Yeah, um, I have said him wrong. I've said Anthony C. Hall? Yeah. She, like got, she got she got Dexter mixed up. It's fine. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Um, they hear it all the time. But the actress who plays Gwen is also named like Yeah. Mary uh, her name is Carl, Catherine Mary Stewart. Catherine Mary Stewart, not Mary, Mary Stewart uh, Masterson or Mary Catherine. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> like all of these other Catherine Mary Mary's Stewart. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's I, rate this real quick because I know you guys have places to be. Um so uh, I'll really go first. Don't want the gen, Listen. No. I could talk about Weekend at Bernie's with you for hours, Danielle. I mean, I, I please. Uh, I have to be honest that before this podcast, I didn't think as highly of this film. Um, I had it at a 30 coming into Whoa. this podcast. Phil. So I just didn't, I didn't love it. Uh, I, I thought it was fine, but I didn't love it. Um, I have been turned around. This is a big jump. I'm at a 77 now. <gasps> I feel like this movie is legitimately a lot better than I was giving credence to. Um, and 
part of it is because I love Danielle and Barrett and my my affinity for them being what it is that I've been convinced just based on what you guys had to say. I love Kenny too, obviously, but I hear Kenny all the time. Um, so I'm at a 77. Um, where are you at, Kenny? I mean, my, all right. So I, I just, I said a bunch of shit. <laughs> I said a bunch of shit about it. Like, uh, I, I think the, the, my, my review is summed up in the last thing I wrote, which was, what can I say? I loved it, <laughs> which is just like, I don't know this fucking movie. Um, I also want to say the thing, the other thing I said, which was like, uh, I very much like that we're doing this. It holds almost no artistic value, nor is it particularly influential, but it holds an outsized space in the collective cultural consciousness. And for that, it's really interesting. Um, but I do think it's even better than I thought. Like, I loved it at a gut level. So I gave it an 80, which really is like, and I love it. Wow. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go even higher. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to an 83. Uh, I want to make it very clear that like, I do not think this is like, you know, a super masterpiece or anything like that. But I think like, I, I, oh, oh, and I saw it when I was a kid and I probably would have given it like a 45, right? I don't remember okay. this movie being a movie I ever wanted to watch again. And in fact, I thought this was one of those movies like, like Goonies that belongs to other people and not me, right? Yeah, I don't one get Goonies either. That, like, it's just, that's, that's someone else's thing. And I've tried to watch it like a bunch of times. I'm just like, yeah. it's just not, I wasn't there at the time when I needed to be there. Which is true with Bernie as well. Right. But this is not that. This movie just like fucking works as long as you're willing to work with it. Right. As long as you're not fighting against it, like you will love this movie. So I'm going to an 83. I think this is a great love fucking it. flick. So love happy it. we did it. Um, Barrett. All right. What do you think? Before the podcast, after podcast? Before the podcast, I think I would give this movie like a 40. Sure. Sure. I'm right there with you. Into it. Um, I thought it was fun. I, I think that I like talking to you guys about it because it reminded me of how iconic I think this movie was. And when I thought about it and we were recounting it and I was thinking about the things I loved about the movie, like the style of it and my nostalgia for other movies that are sure. similar that I tend to like better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I think... I would give now after discussing it and thinking about it a little more, I'll come up to like a 50, 55, (laughs) but I'm still, I'm still not, I am not convinced that I'm going to watch this movie again. I'm not convinced that it's one of those classics that I'm going to like show my kids, you know, like, it's like, I think about unless the, unless my child is also doing a podcast about movies from 1989, I probably be a twist sit down and like be like let's watch weekend at bernie's i would pick another you, one first you might be surprised just how many movies you run through with your <laughs> oh, kids. You run, you run, well I'll I, I am not exaggerating it. i'm not okay. as you're gonna everyone's gonna think i'm lying when i say this but and also that i'm the world's worst parent but it was my wife who did this Can I? my okay. son my nine-year-old son two nights ago watched parasite so that's where we are <laughs> I have to. I have to admit. I think I'm going to be one of those people who like show, like, does what my parents did, and we just rewatch the same, you know, old raggedy VHS tapes for ten years. But like, I so anyway. I think I started at like a forty, and I'm going to come out with like a fifty-five because I fifty-five like that. It's iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I love the look and the style of it. I love how ballsy it was. I did take note of that when I watched sure. it. And I appreciate the just balls to the wall slapstick bullshit that goes on in this movie. And um, I want to do it. I'm jealous that Andrew McCarthy got to just trip his way through an entire film. <laughs> and Can I also just say that I think similar to, to Kenny and Danielle and I, this film is not available for rent. So you own Weekend at Bernie. So you might no. Yes, I own it. Weekend at Bernie's again. <laughs> Maybe I'll yes. have to. This you will be a raggedy old VHS for me. <laughs> all right, Danielle. This is this is this was all you puppet mastered this. Where where do you land on this before the podcast and after? How high I remember it was different in the past. How high can I go? Because podcast like it was like go to ninety nine if you want. I can go to ninety nine still. I didn't yeah. know this was eighty nine. We're trying to keep it uniform. Trying to what? keep it the same. Keeping it trying uniform. to keep it uniform. Yep. Okay. So I started at a ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Best. Danielle, I love you. I love this movie. Sadly, I feel like after this podcast, I'm maybe like a 95 because you guys point out some stuff that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. I love it so much. I love you saying 99, Barrett just hiding. Literally just being like, I don't understand. It's phenomenal. Because I also know that like, I get it's got issues. I understand that some things that are definitely wrong with it. But every time I watch it, I'm like, I want to play this movie in the background of a party I'm having and try to be uh, like, let's have as much fun as they're having with their you <laughs> You're yeah. one of my yeah. favorite people for that, for that rating of Weekend at Bernie's. Let's just remember, you've been on for three <laughs> episodes. You've been on yeah. for The Bone Collector, yeah. for uh, obviously Broke Down Palace, and for this. And Weekend at Birdies has lapped both of those films in your because much better Weekend movie. Weekend at Birdies wasn't trying to be anything but funny. Like no, I get fair. the other movies are like you have to rip them apart. If you're going to be a drama about some intense stuff, I'm sure. going to critique sure. it. But this made me laugh. It had heart. It was stupid. I didn't. It was all those things. It was just like <laughs> it was at a in the Hamptons Bay, and they were all having fun. Hamptons Island, yeah, yeah, Hamptons <laughs> Island, yeah. Well, yeah, I hope I to see you I guys have done all. This from Hamptons Island. I was just gonna say, I, I, I hope we can all go to Hamptons Island someday together. Yeah, um, I think that would be tremendous. Um, but more than anything, thank you both for coming on, and, and we hope that you'll come back again to talk about. Uh, uh, we have another film that we've talked about doing together, so we're gonna do it. Um, my guess is it's <laughs> bats. <laughs> Indeed, they're doing a bats motion right now. Um, so. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that I think Bats is going to be the weakest of, of, uh, of these. Never know. You but never Bats know. Bats could surprise us. And uh, I look Can't forward to Can't be worse than Broke Down Palace. Yeah, you really didn't like Broke Down Palace. I, I remember you really didn't yeah, like that movie. I really, I really don't. Um, but, but, but I would do anything with you guys. You and guys also, I would say carry us through. But Barrett also turned us around on Tea with Mussolini. That was another turnaround movie. I find. Oh, that's a good movie. That is a good yeah. movie. But we yeah. we didn't come into that podcast thinking it was no. a great movie. No, no. She Barrett convinced us, us of his greatness. So, um, thank you so much, guys, for for being on and coming back. And we look forward to talking about bats with you someday very soon. But but honestly, Danielle, Danielle, what? turning Barrett around on Weekend at Bernie's is a far greater achievement than <laughs> her turning us around on Tea with Mussolini. This is true. I think that's this is true. true. Actually, yes. we got I, Barrett from a not recommending to recommending. I like, could Barrett see, I could see the disdain on her face when she walked into this podcast. Yes, I yes. could see her throw the gauntlet down and say, yes. "I challenge you <laughs> to make me not turn this podcast off." And she walked away saying, "I guess I would recommend it." And I, yeah. 
You what? may have convinced me actually to watch Weekend at Bernie's too. Just yes. see what happens. We're gonna watch it together. <laughs> oh yes. I would I wouldn't choose to do it any other way. Right. So get when, get when you guys Come when over. you guys watch Weekend at Bernie's two together, will you please take a photo of yourselves? Together? No, together. no, no. The four of us. Oh, all four of us. Oh, great. Obviously, okay. great, fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking that invite. I've never um, seen it, so I'm excited. I'm snatching that invite. <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right. Okay, guys. We'll get back. So <laughs> what? All of you out there, get back. Get, back. get vaccinated. Get Everybody. Yes. Get watch me get at Bernie's with us. And watch Station 19. Thank you so much, guys. Goodbye, Goodbye. listeners. Goodbye. Just like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby Ethel fish Marmy. mouth. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.